good morning. Good to have everybody with us this morning. Um, if you're new, my name is Andy Peterman. I get the honor of being the pastor here at Center Christian Church. And uh, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad to have everybody with us this morning. And we're excited about the presentation that we're about to get to see. Um, Matt Miles is going to be uh, bringing the word for us this morning. And he is through Creation Truth Museum. He has been there for 16 years. And he's been the president for about four years there. And uh, we're just excited. So I'm not going to say anything else. I'll let him say it. But um, as he comes up here, if you'll just join me, we'll open up in a word of prayer. And then uh, we'll hand it off to him. So, Father God, we just come before you this morning. And, God, we're just so grateful that we can gather together. God, we're grateful for just Matt and the ministry that he is taking on to just spread your word. And, God, to just talk about how um, your creation and how, how your word is true and it all points to who you are. And so we just pray that as um, he comes and just speaks, that it be your message that is proclaimed through him. And, God, may we just see more of who you are in your beauty and your love for us. And, God, may we return that to glory and praise to you in everything. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll welcome Matt. Good morning, church. Good morning. Everybody well this morning? It is good to be back. It's been two years. A couple things have happened since I was here last. Some things haven't changed. We still have COVID. And uh, but we have, a, we have a, a different president since I was here last. Um, and uh, yeah. This week, my focus um, will be very much to address these creatures that are on this stage. As I was here two years ago, we, we dealt with these creatures within history, within biblical history. We'll do it again, specifically on, on, on Wednesday night. But this, this week, I get to share a few other things that we didn't get to talk about last time when I was here. Tomorrow night and Tuesday night, we are going to be dealing with why we have these guys on this stage. What is, what is it in history that allows us to have the fossils we have, whatever the fossils are? So the next two nights, uh, tomorrow night and, and Tuesday night, we're going to be dealing with the flood. The flood as it's recorded in the word of God. The details that are in there, details that, that, that quite honestly, I missed for I don't know how many years of my life that are really, really, really important for us to deal with because we're still dealing with the effects of that, that judgment against sin. We can't ignore it. Tonight, though, I get the privilege to share something I am very passionate about, and that is astronomy. Looking and studying the things in the heavens. So please don't miss tonight. Be back at 7 I'll share some things about the fourth day of history and what he did and what he made that day that we can observe even to this day. And then following that, outside, I will set up a couple of my telescopes that I brought with me. So those of you that have never had the opportunity maybe to see Jupiter before in a telescope or Saturn, um, hopefully tonight, if you want to stick around, uh, bring, your, bring your jacket. It might cool off a little this evening. 
Um, and then on a screen, I will have the ability to show you some deep space things, maybe some galaxies, some nebula that you've never seen before that are really quite diff difficult to see generally with an eyepiece in a telescope, okay? So the Lord has blessed us with some great, great tools in ministry, not just these, okay? So tonight I get to, to, to share that with you. But, but this morning, I get to share with you my love. My, my creator and my savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I get to share with you that this book is absolute truth because of who he is. I, my focus this morning is to connect with you a few things that maybe you've never connected before about Christ. So let's begin this morning in Colossians, please. Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul, in the first chapter of Colossians, makes some very, very, very grand statements about who Christ is. He says in verse 15 and following, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. The apostle Paul clearly, right here in this letter, says Jesus is not only our savior, who does he identify him as? Our creator. If you're like me, growing up in the church, I compartmentalized Jesus to 2,000 years ago in the flesh. <laughs> Rightfully so. That's all truth. But it's often we don't think about him as our creator first. So this morning I want to, as I mentioned, I want to connect some dots for you. To do that, we must go to the Gospels. Uh, the first place I want to go this morning is John chapter 6. Turn with me. A portion of his ministry spent 30 years of his life preparing for his ministry. And when he begins his ministry, he doesn't just outright show everybody who he is. He does it very systematically to me, but he, but he does it through, through absolutely great miracles. He shows us who he is, begins by showing his disciples, begins by showing those closest to him, but then he, he begins broadening who gets to find out who he is. And in the sixth chapter of John, John records, along with the other gospels as well, records a moment in time. So he sets out teaching and a large crowd has gathered. The large crowd has not thought up ahead to figure out that they're going to be there through lunch. How do we know this? Because by lunchtime, what has happened? What is happening with the crowd? They're beginning to get hungry. You know what that feels like, right? When, when, 
when Andy's going too long and your stomach begins, right? I'm praying it doesn't happen this morning. There are over 5,000 people, more than 5,000 people gathered to hear this man. And, and in the process, it's time to eat. And so, so the disciples <laughs> want to try to figure this out. And Jesus says, no, 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 we'll just, we'll just go get some bread for him. We'll, we'll provide for him. What do, what do the disciples immediately think about? They look, at the, they, they look at the crowd and they go, wait a minute, there's a problem, Jesus. This is a huge crowd. How are we going to be able to buy bread or anything for this entire crowd? We're talking months of wages, Jesus. Now listen very closely to me. How long have they already been with Jesus? Quite a while at this point. Like, to me, I, you know, and, and to you and I, I think we read this, we're, we're, we're armchairing the Gospels at times. We read this and we're like, well, why wouldn't they understand he's Jesus and he's going to do something really cool? Like, where, what are these guys thinking? We armchair, we armchair our faith all of the time. We do not give him everything. We give him the portions that we want to give to him. The disciples are doing the same. And in that moment, there's a boy. There's a boy. At that moment, on that day, there's a boy. What does the boy have with him? What's he have? He's got a lunch. Like we are not told if he is the only one out of 5,000 that have a lunch. But it sure indicates, or maybe at least alludes to that. We have no indication whether he's with his parents or not, whether he went by himself, whether mom and dad packed him a lunch and sent him out the door, like go with some friends, go hear who this guy is. We have no idea about any of those details. But here's the details we know that he has. He has a lunch that has what? Five loaves of bread and what? Two fish. And it even says small in this record here. Small loaves, small fish. What does this young boy do with his lunch? He gives everything that he has to sustain him for the day. He gives it to who? To Jesus. Are you giving everything to your creator and your savior today? Are you that boy? Are you that boy that will will give it all? You know, I would like to think I would like to do, I would do that. But you, you and I both know the most times our, our survival instinct takes over and, th- and we are like, okay, I'm going to keep this loaf for me. <laughs> Here, Jesus, you take, you take all of, I'll give you all this. I'll keep, I'll be okay on one loaf. You take the rest, right? We do that, don't we? And then Jesus does what? I mean, you might think, what, what's five loaves, two fish? But let me ask you, who created the barley that was used to make those loaves? He did. Do you recall from, from two years ago? Do you remember from, from the first chapter of Genesis, when did the Lord God make plants? Day three. Day three. 
He made that barley on day three. So who better than to take that, those barley loaves and multiply them and feed a multitude than the creator of the barley? And wait, wait, what's the other? They're fish. Wait, wait, wait. Who made those fish? He did. Do you recall what day he made those fish on? Day five, right? Day five. With all other water creatures, like Mr. Zavactinus over there, fish. Then all on the same day. So who better to take those two fish, divide them and feed a multitude than the creator of the fish? See, without, without saying a word about it, I believe he was, he was showing us who he is as our creator. And, and he feeds everybody. How many people got to eat? What does it say? It says all. You know how we know it's all? Because then when, he, when he's done dividing up and, and feeding this multitude, he tells the disciples to go do what? Go get the leftovers. How many leftovers were there? Was there like a couple fish that had been gnawed on? And a, no, it says there were how many baskets full? Twelve. You know what it does not state? If every, every disciple had a basket. Guess what I believe? I believe he handed out baskets to every disciple and said, no, go pick up the leftovers. And he showed them. What did he show them? I'm in control of this, guys. You need to trust me. You need to trust me with everything. A young boy trusted him with everything. Do you this morning? Do you trust your creator and savior with everything this morning? Are you holding something back from him? Or are you thinking you can handle things better than the creator of everything could handle in your life? Let's look at another moment. Let, let, let's run over to, to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. So following this moment, as he's feeding this this group and teaching all day, he's tired. See, he's not only our creator and God, he's also a man. We see numerous times throughout the Gospels where he, where he gets tired. He, he wants to go rest. One of the best ways and the easiest ways that he goes and rests is he goes and spends time with his father. He spends time in prayer. At this moment, after he's fed this multitude, he tells the disciples, go get in a boat. Go across, go across the lake. I will catch up with you later. I'm going to go up here on the mountainside. I'm going to spend some time and rest. What happens when they get in the boat? In Matthew chapter 14, what happens? A storm shows up. Who's been on, on a lake in a storm? Anybody? Not a good time, is it? Like, I will never forget a moment at a camp that I, when I used to be in youth ministry, I, I, I was part of this camp where we would go take kids to a lake in camp. So it wasn't at the church camp, it was out at a lake. And we were tent camping. And, and, and on one of the days, they would, a few of the, the local guys that had boats would bring a boat in, and then we could take the kids out on tube and, and, and water ski and all that stuff, right? Well, somebody handed a boat over to me. I had never driven a boat in my entire life. But they gave me some instructions, you know, steer this, push that, and go. Throw kids. 
off the tube. That's what you got to do. That's your, that's your job. I said, okay, I can try this. I will never forget, this was Lake Wilson up in north central Kansas. I, I remember on the, on, the, on the far end of the lake, there were some clouds bubbling. And I remember thinking, I ought to probably keep track of those clouds. But we were way down on the other end. It, it was no big, they were a long way away, right? So we, I had thrown two or three kids, you know, off the tube. I, I was doing my job. And I will never, ever forget. And listen to me. You know how when you get older, your, your memory kind of, yeah. Maybe certain details don't, don't stay as clear as they used to. This summer, I, I, got, I got reaffirmed on what I'm about to share with you by another staff member that I had totally forgot was in the boat with me until this summer. We met up at a camp, and, and we were reliving that year. See, that year of boondocker was a year that we had storms every night that just trashed tents every night. We would literally at campfire, we'd say, kids, okay, go, go, go rest, go to bed. We'll see you in two or three hours. We could see the thunderheads in western Kansas, and we knew they were coming, and we're like, we'll just get you up. We'll go to the bathhouse. We'll be all right. Every night, hail, wind, it was crazy. So that afternoon, I'm in the boat. And as I was recalling this with my friend who was also in the boat with me that I totally blanked because it was so powerful, the image, when I turned around in the boat, I see one of the young ladies getting ready to get in the tube and her hair was sticking straight out. We had no other indication we were in the middle of a storm yet other than this young lady's hair. I will never forget her hair just... And as I was recounting that with my friend this summer at camp, he's like, do you remember the girl? I said, the girl's hair. He says, yes, I remember that hair. I said, I remember screaming to get down in the boat. He goes, I remember that too. <laughs> and then I put that thing down as fast as we could get that thing back to shore. We got it back to shore. I mean, listen, that wasn't even a crazy storm, but that was enough for me to go, I don't ever want to ever do that again, ever. <laughs> Here we have the disciples, they're in a boat, they're out on this lake, and it says they were out a great distance, considerable distance. Other, other harmonies in other gospels of this account says they were miles offshore. See, this whole miracle right here, this whole moment, there have been others that are that are not biblically minded, that would like to suggest, well, no, 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 no. Jesus wasn't really walking on the water. He was walking on this jetty that was just under the water in the, I'm like, that's ridiculous to me. As if the disciples didn't know where they were. A bunch of fishermen didn't know where they were on the lake. What, are you kidding me? They knew exactly where they were. That's why when Jesus comes walking on the water to them, they exclaim, it's got to be a ghost. They know exactly where they are. They know he's not walking on the shore. He's not walking on some jetty. Wait, who made that water? He did. On the first day, the word of God says that he created water. He made that wonderful very miraculous little covalent bonded molecule that is important for everything in life. And at this moment in history, 
he decides to walk on it. <laughs> to, go, to go meet the disciples in their distress, in their misery, in the middle of the storm. And their acknowledgement is, it's got to be a ghost. <laughs> Think about it. He's, they're miles offshore. How long has he been walking on the water? He's been walking for miles. Like I was studying that one day and that just hit me. I'm like, he didn't just like, oh, okay, I'll just go out here and meet him in a second. He's been hiking across the storm. He's been hiking across the lake. What does he say to him when they think he's a ghost? What does he say? Take courage. It is I. Take courage. It's I. Like, why, why are you stressing? I mean, like, we got this storm going on, but you're stressing that I'm a ghost. <laughs> like. And then Peter. Woo, Peter. Anybody identify with Peter? Like I do a lot with Peter. Anybody ever open their mouth before you think about it? Hello? Hello? I mean, like, that, that can be a common problem, right? He says, Lord, if it's you, what's he say? Let me come to you. Do you think Peter woke up that morning going, I get to do something that's totally impossible today? Like, I can't wait for later. Do you think Peter expected to be walking on water that morning when he woke up? Nah, I, I don't. I don't. But you know what? Out of all of the disciples, he's the one that knows who he's looking at. He knows who to trust with his entire life. So not only am I asking you this morning, are you giving him everything, but do you trust him then with it? Peter shows a great amount of trust because he says, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. In the midst of a storm, what does Jesus say to him in verse 29? Come on. He doesn't say, no, it'd be better if you just stay in the boat. I'll be there in a second. <laughs> he says, come. Peter, do you really trust me? That's what he says when he says, come. Peter, do you trust me with everything? Come on. What does Peter do? Like there's, there, there's nothing mentioned in scripture of any kind of hesitation. <laughs> he just gets out of the boat. <laughs> in the middle of a storm, Peter gets out of the boat and he begins doing what? what is totally impossible from every scientific point of view. There's no possibility for any of us to be able to walk on water unless we're in the presence of the creator of the water, I would argue. And Peter, it says, as long as he kept his eyes on who? <laughs> right? The, the, the most important part, he keeps his eyes on on Jesus, on the, the maker of the water. We can do impossible things when we focus on him and him only. We trust him with everything we are. But how often do we expect him to work like that? How often do we expect it? 
It's not like he's changed. It's not like he's different today than he was walking to that boat 2,000 years ago. But see, in our, in, in our worldview, in our brain, somehow we think he's different. Focus. He's not different. He's the same. He wants you to expect him to do miraculous things in your life. He wants you to have the faith to trust him in it. In the middle of a storm, in the middle of whatever causes you fear, he's got it. Until we take our eyes off of who? As soon as Peter focuses on the storm and the crud going on around him, what does he immediately begin doing? Sinking. What happens to us when we don't trust him with everything that we have, everything that we are, our entire life, and we, 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 we begin taking back things from him, and we begin thinking we can do this on our own, what happens to us? We begin sinking. And what is he doing? He's waiting there with his hand extended, just trust me. You know what's amazing to me is he could have, to Peter, he could have just said, well, that serves you right. <laughs> like, like, come on, Peter. You know who I am. You've seen what I can do. Why are you not trusting me? But you know what? He shows who he is, our Savior. In the midst of Peter's distress, in the midst of, of his doubt, what is Jesus doing? He's reaching down and picking him up. He's reaching out for him. He is reaching out for you this morning. Those of you that have not trusted him or have tried to take something back from him, he is reaching out just saying, just trust me. Let me help you. Picks Peter up, puts him in the boat. <laughs> and as soon as Jesus steps foot in the boat, what happens to the storm? <laughs> the creator is in control of everything. He's either in control of everything or he's not the creator. Hello? Got to acknowledge that. Like he, he, he's either sovereign or he's not. There's not like part sovereignty. It's not like he can just be kind of kind of God. No, he's either God or he's not. It's amazing to me. The things at times we miss in scripture of who he is. Do we, do we trust him? See, as he spent these three years getting ready for what was going to happen that we're going to study next, that we find in John chapters 19 and 20, you know what's there. It, it's this moment in history that, that the creator of everything allows men to kill him. Are you catching that? The creator of everything allows his image bearers to take his life. And not just in some quick fashion. We know what's in, in chapters 19 and 20. He, he allows 
he allows us to arrest him. Has he done anything deserving the arresting? No, not one sin. Not even an alleged sin. He's not done anything. But he not only gets arrested, he then gets flogged, beat. In the midst of the beating, those that are, that are beating him and mocking him as being the king, they think, you know what, we need to make, a, a, a king should have a crown. Do you remember the crown that they made for him? What was it? It was out of thorns. Wait, 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 who made those thorns? Oh, who made the thorns? Do you remember when he made the thorns? In scripture, in history, in the third chapter of Genesis, when sin enters the world, what is one of the curses? Thorns and thistles. The very, the very representation of the curse was made into a crown to mock who he was. Are you catching that? They drive it on his head. Then they, they have fashioned this wonderful instrument of torture called the cross. See, again, every once in a while, I'll, I'll come across theologians or whatever, a lot of times on, on the History Channel or, or somewhere, you know, that, that thinks they've got it all figured out, that would suggest things like, well, Jesus never really died. He was just like in a deep coma. What, are you kidding me? As if the Romans didn't know how to kill people. As if they didn't understand crucifixion. They hadn't got that figured out yet. Well, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. They, they had this, this cross made of, made of what? Made of a tree, made of wood. Who made that tree? Who made the very tree that was honed to take his life? See, he could have just not made that kind of tree. I mean, he could, have, he could have done all kinds of things. But see, he was thinking about you and me when he was making the trees on the third day, knowing what he was going to be hung on 4,000 years later in history. Who made the, the iron ore that they would make those spikes out of? See, everything about who he was as our creator shows up again in his life and in his death. They killed him. The creator of everything, just, just chew on it for two seconds. The creator of everything. He knit together in their mother's womb every one of the soldiers that were driving the spikes. See, we don't often connect those dots. And then, and then upon his death, he, he is placed in a tomb. What did they put in front of the tomb to make sure that he was going to stay in the tomb? A, a ginormous stone and the best guards the Romans had. But on the third day, do you think a rock that he made is going to keep him from coming back alive? <laughs> no way. No way. Amen. He moves the rock that he made 
as the angels moved the rock that he made. And today, this morning, he is alive. Just as much as he was 2,000 years ago. He's alive. But we don't walk like that in our life. We don't always show who we serve. We don't always show who has saved us. We walk around in fear of things. Things that will hurt us. Listen to me. It may cause us pain here, but does it cause us eternal pain? No. Woo! We get to be in glory someday with our creator and savior face to face again. Woo! I'm excited about that. The older I get, the more excited I am about that. The worse the world gets around me, the more storm we have. Woo! The more I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, he may persecute me. Somebody can persecute me now. Can't take away eternity from me. Can't take away who my my creator and my savior is. Can't lessen who he is today. Can't, Can't change who he is today. And we know that because of the records that were given to us right here in the gospel. And the only reason he can be our savior is because he was our creator first. First. John chapter one, please, as I close. John chapter one. Today, I want you to see your savior differently. See, John begins his whole record with these words. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? (laughs) Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Is it dark today, church? <laughs> and I, in my life, I've never seen it darker. In my 51 years of life, I cannot recall a darker time. Who's the light we should be focused on? I mean, we, we can think about... We can think about, and please do not think I'm lessening what what every one of us as an American should be doing on Tuesday. I don't care where you ride, you got to go vote. But if we think that's going to fix us, we're missing it. We're missing it. He's the only light. And look what it says in verse 10 and following. He was in the world, though the world world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. That still echoes and, and screams to me today. Same thing is happening today. We did not recognize who he is, our creator and our savior. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of what? Of God to be his children. 
I stand before you today, this morning, and I ask, have you given him your all? Do you trust him with all? Do you expect him to do miraculous things with your all? Because he showed you who he was when he walked and put on this flesh just like we have. And right now, as we, as, as we read earlier, he sits at, at the Lord's right hand. He sits on the throne now, ready to spend eternity with you. If you receive him and become his, his child. Pray with me. Lord, I, I praise you this morning. Lord, I praise you for who you are. Lord, you are not just my, my savior, Lord. You, you created me. You created me so you can save me. Lord, you've, you've made us with redeemable value. You did not make us to throw us away. You've made every one of us to spend eternity with you, and it's our sin that only keeps us from that. But Lord, I pray today that if there is anyone here or online that needs to know you, Lord, please touch them. Allow them to know who you are, that they need to come to you and repent. Lord, you are the only way. Lord, you are, you're the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, you're it. Lord, today I, I pray that we trust you and give you everything and look forward to the hope of eternity. Lord, I praise you. I thank you this morning for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.